The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium's sports betting podcast. Find us on Twitter at Stadium Bets. We'll be posting all of our best bets for the weekend and for next week as well. So we're excited about that. Keep uh, keep following us. Uh, Stadium Bets. We got Nate Jacobson, Ben Wittenstein. Nate, how you doing? Pretty good. Excited for NFL Week 14. Also, kind of excited to just focus on the NFL. Um, college was a, t- a shaky season, I think is a good way to put it, but there's bowl games and I know we'll talk a little bit about it and kind of recap what we did on Wednesday with Alex. Make sure to listen to that episode if you haven't yet, but I like that. It's just kind of focusing on the NFL. I'd feel a little more invigorated and less tired just looking at one sport. Like we will be, I guess the next five weeks of the NFL regular season when of course, there's college bowl games, but those kind of happen and are spread out, so not as stressful as maybe a full college Saturday like we did from basically last week until uh, starting on Labor Day. Yeah, it's Picks Friday. We're excited about that. We got a lot of picks coming your way and, of course, talking some bowl games, too. So might as well just start with some of these bowl games. We talked with Alex on Wednesday. If you missed that episode, go back. We uh, released a, the interview with Alex by itself, so you can listen to that to, to hear his bowl strategy betting, his bowl betting strategy, and, and how he looks at some of these games a couple weeks in advance. So, Nate, let's go over a little bit of the strategy you like to uh, you like to use. You wrote a couple is a couple years ago now, 2019. Yeah, I guess two years ago, but it's still relevant now about tips for betting on bowl games and especially since we have a lot of new betters and states have legalized gambling what would you suggest to people who are looking for the first time to, to bet on these bowl games yeah so i wrote an article three years ago that was the original one where there's like kind of five things five tips to know about bowl games and then i wrote a follow-up the next year where i basically took the same things and kind of like applied them to the new set of bowl games and now that we didn't really have a bowl season in 2020, I think there was only like 25 games played. A lot of games were canceled because of COVID and just didn't feel like a normal bowl season. Now we're back to a normal bowl season where we have 40 plus games. And I think the first thing, and we talked a lot about this with Alex, but I just want to kind of recap it is handicapping motivation. And, and my key here is looking to bet on teams who are treating this game as reward because they achieved the goal of making a bowl game. Maybe they exceeded their expectation and made a better bowl than they thought they would, whether it's a New Year's Six Bowl or just a bowl around New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Those tend to be more prestigious bowls than some of the bowls that we're going to see played in the next week or two. So teams I kind of sorted out for there, a couple of teams in the SEC, South Carolina, Arkansas, Tennessee, in South Carolina, Tennessee's case, they had a new head coach. They weren't expected to win six or more games. They did. They're probably going to be very excited about playing in their bowl game. Same thing with Arkansas, a team that, and a program that's really struggled the last half decade, and they're playing a bowl game on New Year's Day against Penn State. 
in Florida. So that's a big deal for the fans. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Arkansas fans at the game, and they've taken a lot of money against Penn State early in the in the uh, since they announced the bowl game. And then a new team that I think will be treating this bowl game as a reward, even though they maybe had aspirations to make the playoff, is Notre Dame, who promoted Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator, as the head coach. He clearly was the guy the players wanted, as you can see by their reaction when they announced him as head coach and he walked in the weight room and how excited they were. So I think they're going to be really excited to play for Marcus Freeman, even if they fell short of making their goal of making one of the college football playoff semifinals. They're still in the New Year's Six Bowl, which means a lot. And on the flip side, you're looking to fade teams who had expectations of being in a better bowl game. I think the poster child for this was the 2019 Sugar Bowl when Georgia was a double-digit favorite against Texas, and Texas beat them, and Sam Ellinger yelled or said in the post-game trophy ceremony that uh, we're back in terms of Texas is back. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't the case. That's a rough look. Think, yeah, right. And I think there was a lot of misleading expectations from that Texas win carried over to the next season thinking that they are back because they beat a team like Georgia. But that was a Georgia team that just lost in the SEC title game to Alabama, missed out on the playoff, and clearly was not excited about being in that bowl game because they had higher aspirations. And that's the poster child, the kind of the example. And I guess this year the example of a team that could have made the college football playoff and just fell short was Oklahoma State, and they're the team playing Notre Dame, so that's kind of a perfect yeah. storm if you want to back Notre Dame now because I can see that line going up. It's Notre Dame's favored by a field goal in the Fiesta Bowl on January 1st. And then some other teams I wrote down, North Carolina, who's actually playing a team that's excited to be there in South Carolina. Uh, Penn State, as I mentioned, playing Arkansas. Penn State definitely had higher goals than than making the bowl game that they did. And then two teams playing it with each against each other that I wish we could fade both teams, Iowa State and Clemson. <laughs> Obviously, Clemson yeah. is one of the favorite, like heavy favorite to win the ACC, like minus 900 just to win the conference. And they're playing in the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando. They just lost their defensive coordinator. They just left their offensive coordinator. Their athletic director went to Miami. So Dabo Sweeney might not be totally focused on this bowl game and is going to be trying to figure out his staff for the for the next year, and then Iowa State had legitimate hopes to win the Big 12 and maybe sneak into a playoff spot, and they're playing clumps in the Cheez-It Bowl. So that's kind of the stuff I'm looking for in terms of handicapping motivation. Yeah, no, it, may, it makes sense, and I think especially when it comes to games like this, when it comes to just the final game of the season, if you're not motivating, you have a, you have a team that you know figures season's over at this point. We don't yeah. doesn't really matter if you win this bowl game. That's that's huge compared to like a week nine game where maybe you don't see a team that's motivated. But for a game like this, final game of the season, I, I think motivation is really important when it comes to, to handicapping teams. Yeah. And of course, you have other things that that you should be aware of. Of course, the coaching situations, as you mentioned, with with Clemson, um, the transfer portal has become increasingly important with players leaving. So there there's other things other than motivation to take into account. Yeah, I think one of the big things we talked about with Alex, and he brought up a really good point in terms of the coaching carousel, was you're not just looking for head coaches and if they're leaving their programs and just knowing who the interim coach is, but you're also looking for what assistant coaches are leaving. Prime example, Mark Whipple, Pitt offensive coordinator, left Pitt to go to Nebraska, and they will not be with, they'll be without, Pitt will be without him in their bowl game. It's, I believe it's the Citrus Bowl. 
against uh no, it's not the citrus bowl it's one of the new year's six bowl the peach bowl peach bowl yeah. and and when there was that announcement, Whipple left, and then uncertainty of Kenny Pickett would play, Michigan State took a lot of money, where I believe in some spots Michigan State's favorite. So you want to know about assistant coaches, another example, and it kind of plays into the fact that Notre Dame is a strong play, is Jim Knowles, defensive coordinator of Oklahoma State, is taking the job at Ohio State. So I would be pretty surprised if he is – at that post for the bowl game before going to Columbus. And I think the big reason why coaches are leaving right away to take their jobs, whether it's assistant coach or head coach, is because next Wednesday is an early signing period, or they changed the national signing day to make it earlier. And this is a recent change. Back when I wrote these bowl articles, I believe at least the 2018 one, the national signing day was in February. Now that it's December 14th, which is next Wednesday, um, and Alex brought it up that a lot of these coaches used to value the extra practices for the bowl game to kind of get ready and prep for next season to see who's going to be part of the plans and who's going to maybe be a top of the depth chart by the spring. But now these coaches are focused on finishing up their national signing day class and might not treat the bowl season and bowl practices as serious. So if you can kind of try to figure out which coaches might be putting more emphasis on finishing up national signing day as opposed to preparing for a bowl game that really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things because it really is an exhibition game at the end of the day, then that's good to know. So instead of just looking at like what coaches are leaving and, and stuff like that, you have to know assistant coaches and then maybe some motivation of how coaches are treating it with national signing day next Wednesday. And then the note that I think is most important that we can look at and end on is that point spread doesn't matter and don't tease these college bowl games yeah do not tease them that is i think one of the better pieces of advice yeah my advice is never to tease a college football game but if you do tease college football games for whatever reason stop doing it for the bowl season there's so much variance in these games the points are less valuable oftentimes and i I, in the articles i wrote i kind of accumulated some stats but Oftentimes when the favorite wins, they also cover. And if they don't cover, they lost and the underdog won. So a lot of times you can throw the point spread out the window. Just pick the winner if you're in an office pool and you like the underdog plus the points. As long as it's a reasonable spread and not maybe like a double-digit spread, I think it's not a bad idea to take them outright in any office pools. And if you're betting, definitely put a little bit on the money line. And then I think the biggest difference with – bowl games now compared to when I wrote the articles a few years ago was I said not to overrate uh, transfers and opt-outs and stuff like that or players missing. I think the prime example was when Christian McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette both opted out of their bowl games. It was They were the only players that opted out, and there was a big kind of like, oh, there's going to be a huge drop-off. But in the case of LSU, they had a great replacement in Darius Geis. And then in the case of Stanford, they had Bryce Love, who was the Heisman runner-up the next year. So those players were high recruits anyway. There wasn't a drop-off between the players, even though McCaffrey and Fournette were great college players and then ended up they were also good in the NFL. But now I think there's like more of a, a wave of opt-outs going on. And because of that, I'd be a little bit cautious betting on teams who have a lot of players missing, especially key players. And then now we have the transfer portal, so players might not opt out. They might just enter the transfer portal, 
before the bowl game. They can't play in the bowl game if they officially enter the transfer portal. So you have to monitor all those situations. So it's a little bit harder than it used to be keeping up on information. And I think there's a lot of new aspects to handicapping bowl games that may have not been there a few years ago. So, yeah, if you want to listen to, to more of that, Alex had some great advice and, and Nate just gave some great advice too here on this episode. Uh, you want to look at the weather report for these NFL games? Let's look at some weather report. The weather outside is weather. Yeah, and it's it's pretty mild, honestly, this time of year. December uh, 12th is when the games are going to be played on Sunday, and really nothing too crazy weather-wise. A lot of weather in the 40s, and, and maybe if it was like two months ago, I'd mention that because it'd be cold, but it's not really cold. We're in Chicago. No. It's very warm for this time of season, probably as warm as I'll, I I remember it. And then, uh, so yeah, not too bad of uh, a weather report. But one thing to keep in mind, there is some wind coming in some cities, Cleveland, Washington, D.C., or wherever the Washington football team plays, Kansas City, and then Green Bay for a night game where Green Bay hosts the Bears on Sunday Night Football. And the weather is in the 30s, but like I said, for Green Bay, Wisconsin, December, that's not too bad at all. So there's definitely some wind, and obviously wind can change. But if you're looking about a total in one of those games, maybe look at the wind before making a play and see the latest update. But those are just some cities uh, that you might be concerned about weather, but really pretty mild for this time of year. All right, let's get to picks. Let's get some NFL picks going. We got a bunch of NFL picks. I got a couple. I got one best bet for the NFL. Uh, maybe two, but definitely one, and it's going to be the Arizona Cardinals. I Against the, the Los Angeles Rams on Monday Night Football. I I just think the Cardinals are an, one of the best teams in the NFL. I, I think they are, if not number one, they're two or three, and especially when they're all fully healthy. There's just so many ways they can beat you, and I'm, I'm not convinced the Rams, especially Matt Stafford, are that good right now. They're, they're a solid team. They're one of the better teams in the NFL, but I don't think they're better than the Cardinals. And to get Arizona as under a field goal favorite in this game at home, I, I'm going to pounce all over that. I really like the Arizona Cardinals this week, um, especially, you know, beating up on the Bears is no big feat. Pretty much any team in the NFL can do that, but they just look good. They When they're fully healthy, they have great offensive scheming. Their personnel are good. I think they match up pretty well with what the Rams can throw at them on defense. I, I think the Cardinals can easily cover this spread by more than a field goal. So I'm going to make the Arizona Cardinals minus two and a half my best bet. So I was thinking we would maybe wait till the end of the show to save it for Monday Night Football. But let's just talk about it now since you made it a best bet and it's your lone best bet. But um, I'm going to be on the other side. I'm not sure if I'm going to bet the Rams at plus two and a half because it was at plus three. Definitely going to tease the Rams, though, up to plus eight and a half. I think this game stays close no matter who wins. My thing here is the Cardinals did beat the Rams earlier in the season, so you have a little bit of division revenge for Los Angeles. You also have Sean McVay that, other than that one loss to the Cardinals earlier in the year, has had a great record against the Cardinals and Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, 8-1 and one overall, including that loss earlier this season. He's won four out of five against Kingsbury. So I think maybe he's kind of figured out a little bit Kyler Murray and that the matchup is kind of tough for Arizona. And, Kyler Murray, I know he's had a good season, great season, and then he got hurt. And then last week he did fine against the Bears, but the Bears also gifted the Cardinals four interceptions, including, a, I believe, a defensive score and then 
even if it wasn't a defensive score. I know the Cardinals had interceptions where they were set up with short fields. So I think maybe the Cardinals, I'm not going to say they're not as good as we think, but I think these teams are even. I can't give enough points to Arizona for their home field to get to two and a half. So I like the Rams, especially in a teaser. Remember, even though the Rams are eight and four, they don't have many impressive wins in the last two months. They still close as a favorite in Green Bay. So there's like a lot of respect for the Rams. And I wouldn't be surprised if this line goes to two or one and a half before it gets back to three. Yeah, I think it'll be a very fun Monday night football game either way, especially yes. with, the, with the way these two teams play and what's on the line for them. So it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll see who wins that one. I also, so this is not a best bet, but I do like the Bills plus three and a half against the Buccaneers. The Bills are four and oh after a loss. They have not lost two games in a row. They're three oh and one against the spread after a loss as well. So this is a team that is really good at bouncing back after a loss. And this is going to be a tough matchup for them. And I think they've gotten pretty favorable matchups with batter with worse teams in the Buccaneers after losses. But for them to be more than a field goal underdog, it's going to be nice weather. It's not going to be windy. It's not going to be snowy. I, uh, I like the bills in this spot. I'm a little torn on the side because the bills, even though they have done a good job bouncing back, they haven't played a team to the level of Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay for me, best team in the league. So, I mean, I get that what you're saying, and maybe because they lost, we're getting you're getting three and a half instead of plus three, which means a lot in the NFL, especially between two teams that at least the market regards as elite. I know Tampa Bay has a very good record, but the Bills at seven and five kind of need this game. So I'd expect an aggressive game plan from Brian Dable, attack the Buccaneers secondary with Josh Allen. But at the same time, the Buccaneers have a really good offense, and they're at a home, and the Bills are down their best cornerback in Tredavious White, who tore his ACL against the Saints on Thanksgiving night. And really, obviously, wasn't the Bills' secondary wasn't really tested last week because Mac Jones threw three passes. But I think this might be a game where the Bills' secondary struggles a bit without their best player by far. They do have good players in that secondary, but no one who like a shutdown corner like Tredavious White. So that kind of leads me to the over in this game. I think that it's getting going up, so I'd probably grab it now. Maybe if there is some sort of weather concern in Tampa Bay in terms of like rain, I know it rains kind of randomly in Florida. Maybe this total goes down in game day a little bit. But I think based on what we saw last week from the Bills, their offensive metrics are very suppressed coming off a really windy game and bad weather. So I think they are, their offense has a chance to do well. But at the same time, the Buccaneers, I'd imagine, will be clicking on all cylinders. So can't pick a side, but I do like the over in this one between the Bills and Bucks, and which should probably be the the best game or the game I'm looking forward to watching most as a neutral fan on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, when you're talking about best teams in the NFL, you know, Cardinals, I think, are up there, but you may have to put the Bucks at number one. I think you have the Bucks at number one when you assess them. Yeah, I think by far they're the number one team. I don't base my ratings on record, and I know Arizona is the best record, but yep. if they were to play on a neutral field, Tampa Bay would certainly be a favorite. And if <laughs> if the bookmakers open Tampa Bay a pick them in that game, then they would get <laughs> flooded with Tampa Bay money. And not to say Arizona, like on a you know, it's a one game sample size when we get to the playoffs, so anything can happen. I just think yep. the Bucks are the best team. So I'm not saying they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they'd be favored against anyone on a neutral field. 
But I think the fact that they're at home and it's three and a half shows that the Bills, even though they're seven and five, they're regarded as one of the best teams in the AFC. Even though I think if the playoffs started today, they'd be the seventh seed in the playoffs. All right, so you've got three other games that you are interested in yeah. hitting or at least maybe picking. No best bets, though. Yeah, so I think we talked a good amount about these games on Wednesday, so I'll just kind of mm-hmm. quickly go through them. Um, 49ers, and when we were recording this podcast on Wednesday, the 49ers were a one-point underdog. Yeah. Then that line flipped to 49ers minus one, even some one and a half. And it's still going up. It's now minus two. So let's see what happens here. I think we'll. I think the decision about if you want to bet the 49ers or not will be if Joe Burrow is active and fine by all accounts, and maybe this line gets back to a pick 'em. So I'd wait if you like the 49ers. I wouldn't bet them now at minus two. Let's see if that comes back with the news that maybe Burrow is fine and has pinky. Injury is just a kind of a precaution that's keeping him limited at practice. But it, uh, the reason I like the 49ers, just a good matchup for their offense that's playing very well. I think their run game should have success. George Kittle should have another big game attacking the middle of the field against the Bengals. So still like the 49ers at any underdog price. Let's see if it gets there by Sunday with the Burrow news. Usually if it's minus two and trending that way, I wouldn't think it would, but maybe the Burrow situation changes that. Like the Dallas Cowboys, Minus four better is my buy price. I know it's pretty much four and a half across the board, but if you can kind of yeah. find a four on Dallas, I would I would try to grab that. Uh, Washington coming in off a four game win streak, but I think this is a good time to sell high. This is the same Washington team that a few weeks ago were a one and a half point ro- a home underdog to a Seahawks team that was very desperate for a win, and Washington won the game. I think there's also a kind of a rest advantage here for Dallas, or a huge rest advantage, because they had 10 days off because they played last Thursday night. Washington just traveled to Vegas last week off that Monday night win at home against the Seahawks. They're coming back home, so it's their third game in a very short amount of time while the Cowboys played on Thanksgiving. They played last Thursday night and now have time to get healthy, get their wide receivers back at full strength. They have all their defensive ends healthy. Offensive line looks good. So I think this is a good time to sell high on Washington, but also buying low on a Dallas Cowboys team that I think is definitely below the Bucks, but one of the better teams in the NFL. And Washington's on this four-game win streak, but the, all their wins have come against, other than the Tampa game, but they were also a 10-point underdog in that game. Um, the last three wins have been against average to below average teams. So I like Dallas. And then the Browns, and check our Twitters for the uh, the video we put out from Wednesday's show. And this is really situational, where the Ravens, coming off a tough loss to the Steelers, depleted secondary, lost Marlon Humphrey. Browns in a great situational, situational spot because they played the Ravens in Week 12, had a bye in Week 13. So that allows Cleveland to prepare basically three weeks for the same opponent without having to pop in tape of any other team. They're six and six. They know they need this game. If they lose this game, they're probably not mathematically out of the playoff race, but they'll have a very slim chance of making the playoffs. And you win this game, and then you're one game out of the division. And with what, where Baltimore is trending, the division is still very uh, achievable for Cleveland, but they have to win this game. So anything under a field goal of Cleveland is the favorite. I will take the Browns on Sunday. 
If, if this line was closer to a pick 'em, it'd be a best bet. But now that the Browns have taken money because the situation's so strong, um, I'm, and it'll get to totals low, I don't feel comfortable enough about making it a best bet. But I do like the Browns quite a bit in Sunday, and it kind of helps to how poorly the Steelers played for the first 40 minutes last night because that Steelers team beat the Ravens. So I think the Ravens are having some bigger issues than we might think based on uh, some recent play, even against the Browns where they won the game and covered, but Lamar Jackson threw four interceptions. All right, let's do attractive underdogs. We have three teams that look uh, interesting with their respective underdog numbers. The Falcons plus three, the Jets plus six, and the Jaguars plus 10 with some buy prices that you put in there. Yeah, so those are the prices I'm looking for to make the bet on because right now the Falcons are favored by, or sorry, Falcons a two and a half point underdog right now. The Jets a five and a half point underdog. I think six is attainable, especially if some of the players are ruled in for the Saints. Alvin Kamara looks like he's going to play and maybe some of those offensive tackles and some other players. So I think there's a chance it gets to six. The same thing with the Falcons game to three. A line I don't think is going to get there is the Jaguars taking money all week down as low as minus uh, or Titans minus eight in some spots after opening or reaching as high as 11. If somehow the Jaguars get back to plus 10, I'd consider them. Although if they do get back to plus 10, it's probably because of some sort of injury and I might want to avoid them anyway. So those are the attractive underdogs. Kind of talked about all those on Wednesday's show. If you want to go back and uh, listen to that, there's not too much more to add other than wanting to fade the Saints in the favorite role, wanting to fade this version of the Titans. And then in the Falcons-Panthers case, not much separates these two teams. So if I can get plus three on either one, just like we did in the end of October when we bet the Panthers plus three in Atlanta, I'll take Atlanta plus three in Carolina, especially since Carolina is getting the same level of quarterback play between Darnold and Newton. And then, the lead to the brunch time winner and why I like a certain uh, certain way to attack that game even more than I do the Falcons side. Yeah, so we might as well go to the world-famous brunch time winner, Falcons-Panthers. Yep. So you like the under-21 in the first half. You have no trust that either of these teams can score. Yeah, and I think the big reason here and another reason I like the Falcons in the game is because the Panthers fired Joe Brady in yep. the middle of the bye week which was kind of a weird timing that they didn't do it right after the bye week, especially since Joe Brady could definitely get a college coordinator job if he wanted. So I'm sure he's going to be talking to schools like Miami, maybe even LSU might want to bring him back. But yeah. uh, let's stay with the NFL here. Joe Brady was fired because the Panthers want to run the ball more. The problem is Christian McCaffrey is out for the season. I'm also expecting a, a low or, um the Falcons offense to not have much success early on, at least just because the Panthers have a pretty strong pass rush. That's the best part of their team. We've bet multiple first half unders involving the Panthers this season. So this is another reason to go back because it's been a pretty successful proposition. And because I'm expecting a low scoring game along with betting on the pan on the Falcons and the underdog role, I think teasing the Falcons makes a lot of sense along with the uh, Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. Yeah, I, I like that. I think that's a that's a good call. I, I, I still, listen, I have the best bet as Cardinals minus two and a half. That's my only NFL best bet that I have 
for this weekend, but I like the Bills. Bills money line too. If you're bold, little, little sprinkle on that Bills money line. They they they've shown to be good after losses. So I don't think I'm bold enough to make it a best bet. But uh, Cardinals minus two and a half, I think, is is the move for the best bet. So we'll see. That's going to be a fun game on Monday night for sure. All right, I'll quickly review my list of bets. 49ers at any underdog price. I like the Browns minus two and a half. Cowboys, you can get minus four. Waiting on Jets plus six. Waiting on Jaguars plus ten. I think that's a little bit more unlikely than getting the Jets at the number I want. Falcons at plus three. Think it could get there. I'm going to wait till after the injury report is released on Friday to make that bet. If the Rams get back to plus three, I'm the opposite of Ben and take the Rams at that number. If not, I'm just going to tease them with the Falcons, and I would make that decision on Sunday morning because the Falcons play Sunday afternoon, Rams play Monday night. And then the two totals I like, as mentioned in the brunch time winner, Falcons-Panthers under 21 first half, and then waiting to see maybe if the number comes down a little bit because it's been bet up. But I really like the Bills-Buccaneers over. I think both offenses have a lot of success in this game. Yeah, that makes sense. I like it. And Arizona minus two and a half. Best bet for me. If that over hits in the Bills Buccaneers game, that's going to be a really fun, really fun game. Because, I mean, we may see both teams hit the 30 point mark pretty easily. All I'm going to say is Bills are seven and five. Brian Dable has kind of struggled this season after being highly regarded as the offensive coordinator. Like, go out and throw the ball, attack Tampa yeah. Bay where their clear weakness is at. Your clear strength is throwing the ball. The reason why it's funny that the the matchup for the Bills against the Bucks is actually better than it is against the Patriots, even though the Bucks are a much better team than, or at least a better team than the Patriots, because I think the Bills could have some success just throwing the ball in good climate, and they couldn't do that really on on Monday, or they didn't really try to do it for some reason. I think here they got all out and. Josh Allen has a has a bounce back game. Is it enough to win the game? I'm not sure. Is it enough to cover the spread? I know a lot of people like the Bills this week, but also it's Tom Brady at a short number at home. And I still think that Tampa Bay's offense should have some success because of the Tredavious White injury and just that the Bills defense, maybe they're just kind of uh, supported or their their statistics are look better this year because of the opponents they've played. And uh, big game for the Bills, though, because they still have the Patriots in Foxborough later this year and then three kind of winnable home games to end the season. This might be that first time in a long time instance where the team is actually excited to go on the road and play away. Yeah, It's going to be 40 degrees in Buffalo on Sunday, 75 and sunny in Tampa Bay uh, on Sunday where the Bills are playing. So they're probably very excited to get out of Buffalo and to get into some warm, sunny weather. I agree. I'm sure. I'm sure the coaching staff is, too, um, and, and the players. I I totally agree with that, and it's a really good Sunday. That's probably the highlight of the Sunday, but I'm looking forward to Cowboys-Washington, looking forward to 49ers-Bengals, and not just because bet, I'm betting on it, but I think those games are going to be intriguing in terms of the playoff race. And then even the Browns and Ravens, just because the Browns had such high expectations before the season, if they can't win this game, then there's some – going to be some tough questions that are going to have to be answered in Cleveland this winter. And we didn't even talk about one of the NFL's biggest rivalries because it's going to be probably such a bad game with the Bears and the Packers. And it's kind of a weird number at 12 and a half and 43 is the total. But 
I don't think anyone should trust the Bears or put money on the Bears. Uh, I, I, Justin yeah. Fields is looking like he's going to be playing, but again, he hasn't really inspired hope with anyone. So it's going to definitely be a stay away game for me oh, and just probably yes. watch the Bears get crushed. All I'll say is I would never bet the Packers at that number. I think it's a little bit inflated for a Packers team that last time we saw them was a home underdog to the Rams. So I, yeah. I know maybe I'm too relying on the market too much, but I don't think the Packers are as good as their record indicates. I think if they are fully healthy in the playoffs, then maybe that'll be the case. But right now, this version of the Packers, not as good as their record. So I think that the Bears at plus 13, if it gets there, and you want to have something, uh, some interest on Sunday night, I think that's the way I would go. I actually almost included the Bears in attractive underdogs as teams mm. getting too many points. Along with the New York Giants, who I know we talked about the Chargers in the uh, the look-ahead section on Wednesday, but that line's kind of moved a bit since we uh, recorded on Wednesday with Mike Glennon cleared to practice, but also Keenan Allen on the COVID list. Uh, Mike Williams joined him on the COVID list because he's an unvaccinated close contact. So Chargers could be it without some skilled position players. The under has kind of gone taken a hit or there's been hit the under. And then also that spread is a little bit lower than it was on Wednesday where there's one place that has a, a nine and a half for the chargers. And if Glennon plays and Allen or Williams are out, then that's kind of a, a big spread for a Los Angeles team to cover, especially if Kansas city waiting in the wings. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. We'll have to, that's especially for fantasy too, monitoring that COVID situation. Yeah. Uh, for the Chargers. Um, but that'll do it for us. We've got our picks. You can listen. You can watch our picks um, on Stadium Bets, where we make that. And, of course, read Nate's article at WatchStadium.com. We'll be posting it on Twitter again on Sunday in case you forget, and you'll be able to read it before the NFL games start and make your bets last minute if you have to. But for now, we will be back on Wednesday talking um, more bowl games and uh, probably have another guest on as well. So we'll see you all then. Mm-hmm.